Numerous reports indicate that manufacturing is emerged as the favored target of ransomware groups and hackers. In response, a new report from Industrial Media discusses the evolution of industrial cybersecurity, its current state, and the tactics hackers are using, including phishing schemes, malware, and ransomware attacks. It also details solutions in Army manufacturers with the knowledge and resources needed to win more fights on this highly complex and ultra-competitive battlefield. Download the industrial sector's new battlefield by going to manufacturing.net backslash cyber. Hi, I'm Jeff Ranke, Editorial Director of Manufacturing.net and Manufacturing Business Technology. Welcome to Security Breach. Recently, one of the most high-profile manufacturers in the world, Boeing, suffered what they're describing as a cyber incident, which resulted in a large but unknown quantity of data being stolen and held for ransom by the notorious Russian ransomware as a service group, Lockbit. Lockbit, which is highly recognized as one of the most prolific threat actors targeting the industrial sector, obtained what is currently assessed as Citrix cloud files, security controls, email backups, and other corporate emails. The leak is potentially tied to a parts distribution company, Avail, that Boeing purchased in 2006. After Lockpit publicized the October hack, they threatened to begin releasing data if Boeing failed to pay their extortion demands. Boeing called their bluff, and Lockbit followed through, recently posting 45 gigabytes of the stolen data. What remains to be seen, despite Boeing's claims, is just how much damage this leak could cause, what the ramifications might be moving forward, how Boeing might respond, and what the industrial sector can learn from this incident. We've assembled two leading industry experts to break down the attack. But first, we're excited to announce that this episode is being sponsored by Palo Alto Networks. Protect your OT assets, networks, and remote operations with zero-trust OT security from Palo Alto Networks. It's powered by AI and machine learning while offering comprehensive visibility, zero-trust security for all OT environments, and simplified operations. For more information on zero-trust security for all OT environments and simplified operations, go to www.paloaltonetworks.com backslash network hyphen security. First, we're going to hear from No Before's Eric Cron as he discusses Lockbit, a group that some estimate is responsible for more than one-fifth of all ransomware activity in the second half of 2023. One of the most well-recognized manufacturers in the world, Boeing, recently came out and said they were the um, the victim of a what they're called referring as a cyber incident right now. But we know that there's a little bit more to it than that. What can you share with us in terms of what you know on what's going on at Boeing with their recent cyber attack? Yeah, now they've been a little bit close-lipped about it, but um, some things are very obvious. The writing is on the wall, and so uh, there are some pretty common things that happen here. And it is a cyber incident, no doubt about it, but more specifically, this is a ransomware intrusion. Uh, in this case, it looks like they didn't pay the ransom. They may have been negotiating with them a little bit, trying to buy time or do something like that, but apparently they didn't pay the ransom and now these bad actors are dumping data out there. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. It looks like negotiations may have broken down or at some point over the weekend here that has encouraged Lockbit to really throw a lot more information out there. One of the things we're also hearing, Eric, is that they may have actually exposed some sort of vulnerability but from a subsidiary, a subsidiary of Boeing that was actually being phased out or in the, in the process of phasing out. Kind of curious to get your, your thoughts there in terms of how that may have been an inroad into the Boeing networks. Yeah, that's always possible when things like that happen. I mean, we've seen this uh, with different types of software that they use to communicate. Maybe there's a 
a problem with that. There, there was the move it breach, which we heard a lot about earlier this year um, with the Clop ransomware group. Uh, they exploited some things like that and were able to get down the supply chain from that. And it's always a challenge when you're someone the size of Boeing and dealing with all of these outside entities. It's a it's one of these balancing acts between allowing them the information they need to do what they're doing and giving yourself uh, some vulnerabilities that may be exploited if that vendor is uh, is compromised. No, absolutely. We've seen it in a number of different um, applications, I guess you could say. And I think one of the reasons those tend to come up more prominently now is the actors have gotten really smart in terms of manufacturing and understanding their supply chain and all the different vulnerabilities along the way. In particular, we hear about Lockbit a lot in the industrial sector. They're one of the most prominent and most active hacker organizations. What can you tell us a little bit about this group as they continue to evolve? And really, they seem to be getting a lot more infamous over the last maybe 6 to 12 months. Yeah, the group's been around for a while. Um, they, they have been playing in the space for quite some time. Um, and I believe they have somewhere along the lines of 1,700 organizations under their belt as far as uh, infections going. And uh, to the tune of about $91 million dollars being collected, which is insane amounts of money if you think about it. Yeah. Um, but they are they're they're fairly common in some of their structure. They use a they use a structure called ransomware as a service. And essentially what this means is there's going to be some developers, some of the the super smart geek types that are up there developing the ransomware, the malware virus. Uh, they do a lot of work towards that and keeping the infrastructure up and running. Like the websites where they name these places, right? And then they have what they call affiliates, which are the people that are actually carrying out the attacks. So these people don't have to be super technically smart. Um, they work for these folks. If, if you want to think about it, it's kind of like a multi-level marketing scheme, if you will. Uh, and they usually do profit sharing. So we've seen as high as 70-30 split. So the affiliates, the people that generally uh, they're going to get that network intrusion through phishing emails, through taking advantage of other things. They'll generally get about 70% of the cut. And then the developers get about 30% of the cut from that. But what it does is it allows them to scale in such a way that unlike in the beginning where it was the same people doing all the work, there's only so many hours in the day. Now they really have focused on this and they're getting really, really good at picking good affiliates and making sure that they actually have some pretty amazing tools to see what's happening. Like these affiliates, they have dashboards that say, hey, this infection has started. This is where we are on that. They can monitor all this stuff from their own little dashboards. It's quite amazing. And I really wish they would put this energy towards good things, not this. <laughs> No, I agree with you 100% there. That's always the uh, the, the $64,000 question is what turns people towards the dark side, if you will. So it's Yeah, sometimes it, yeah. Sometimes in these groups it, it's where they're where they're located. There may not be opportunities for them to do legitimate type work based on the countries they live in or those sorts of things. And so they end up getting kind of recruited into this or in other areas um these groups are, they're very good. Uh, there was a gentleman 
well, there was a leader named Mamfa who did business email compromise. And he would put out things like, hey, do you feel like, uh, you know, the world is holding you back and you should be doing better, but everybody's, you know, keeping you from succeeding. They played on those emotions a lot to get these people in, just like street gangs, just like groups like that. They would play on those emotions to get these people into the quote unquote family to carry out deeds like this. And it can be the same sort of way, even in these ransomware groups where they play on those emotions where the people, you know, they, they feel like through no, no bad deed of their own, they just can't seem to get ahead. Yeah. You know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Lockbit is a Russian ransomware group. So it does kind of lead you to speculate a little bit with this being Boeing, a huge aerospace and defense contractor. If there wasn't a political element here involved as well, we don't know all the details yet, but if you had to speculate a little bit, can we connect these dots or is that going too far? Given their history of who they're hitting, I would honestly say, I don't, I don't personally believe that this was a a hit based on that. I think this is mostly opportunity. Somebody was able to get into the system. They took advantage of it. Now, Lockbit is not shy about going after municipalities, manufacturers. I mean, there are groups out there that will avoid that kind of uh, that kind of pressure from law, <clears throat> from law enforcement. Uh, <clears throat> Lockbit, they don't have any qualms going after cities and states. I mean. Um, if you look at what happened to some of the groups, um, dark side that did the colonial pipeline breach here in the U S um, that group very quickly, uh, disavowed what happened, right? They came back and they also were ransomware as a service. And they said, from now on, we're going to be vetting everything before somebody hits go on it. Right. Cause that'll make <laughs> us feel better. Uh, but ultimately what happened is law enforcement pressure was so high on them that the group disbanded because it caused such a, a potential issue. And it, it caused a lot of fear, even if it didn't disrupt a huge amount of things, it did drive some prices up, but boy, did it, it really made some people stand up and look around. And so this group doesn't seem to have that fear, which is pretty crazy. They just, uh, I don't know. They're they're kind of like the uh, the honey badger of the the ransomware groups. They just don't care. Wow, that that is a great point. Also, kind of terrifying because even you, know, you mentioned the move it attack. Clop backpedaled a little bit after it came out that it affected a lot of hospitals and educational uh, institutions and things like that. Whereas you're right, um, these folks they do not care. They are just moving ahead with what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of these places, they they are in it for the money. Um, clearly, that's what motivates most of these ransomware groups. Uh, they're in it for the money. But a lot of them, they kind of, they shy away from hospitals. They shy away from places where human life could be taken or or something like that could happen. And again, I think a lot of that, it may not be that they're good people. It may just be that they don't want that kind of heat on them when things go wrong, um, because that's the kind of stuff that, you know, really, really drives the emotions of people where if it's a, if it's money going out the door, okay, whatever. But when it starts actually causing a loss of life, that's where the emotional part comes. And that's where public outcry and outrage comes into play. 
Well, and hopefully people start getting a little bit smarter as well. It's horrible to think, but really ransomware hits, and especially the higher notoriety ones, that's what's resulted in a lot of companies making additional cybersecurity investments. So kind of leading into that, I know it's very early in the process, but what do you think might be some of the lessons learned that we can take away from this Boeing attack? Well, one of the big ones is just because it's a big organization doesn't mean that they're they're invulnerable to this kind of stuff, right? We 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 can't imagine that uh, just large organizations with lots of resources are going to be the ones that are safe from this. It's honestly anybody, any size. Uh, I again, I believe this is it's a target of opportunity. Yes, they they were focusing on them. Yes, they were trying to get them, um, but something happened that allowed them to get in the door through what's probably been constant attacks for quite some time now. This, I, I refuse to believe that this was one time that somebody said, you know what, I think we're going to go after them this moment, and they just stumbled in the front door. This was something that was probably ongoing, that had been going on for a long time with different attempts to get in there, and somehow or another, um, there is some possibility that it was through a Citrix vulnerability. Um, that's something that's been put out there. Because they use a Citrix tool, there was a, a, a zero day released on the 24th. Um, and so it's possible that they got in through that way. Um, but all things said and done, some things to think about here is we have to protect ourselves. This is a very serious and significant type of attack. And unfortunately, the damage that it can do is widespread. So not only does Boeing do military stuff and commercial stuff, right? So they may have intellectual property that's military type stuff that would be great for nation states, right? They'd love to get their hands on that. Um, you have the commercial stuff. So competitors that want to build an aircraft based on the stuff that they have learned and their secret sauce in making their aircraft is at risk. The employee information is generally at risk. Those identities, there's all, all the time they go after HR databases too. So this is such a multifaceted attack when an organization gets hit by ransomware. There's all of that on top of if your manufacturing lines go down, which we've seen over and over again in some very, very large places. I mean, Norsk Hydro, not too many years ago, got hit and it shut down their, uh, their, uh, their, um, their smelting lines and stuff, right? So they have pots of aluminum cooling out there because it took everything down, right? Um, same thing here. We have manufacturing that may or may not have been compromised or, you know, uh, shut down, slowed down. And we may see some of that coming back, um, probably through an SEC filing or something like that. Um, similar to what happened. I mean, there was the group that ended up hitting Clorox, MGM Resorts, and um, Caesars, uh, among others, recently. And, you know, Clorox is talking about a loss of 26 to 28% for first quarter earnings loss because the manufacturing was shut down for a while. I mean, if you think about all of the facets of this and the cost that it can be, it's a scary thing. No, 100%. And that kind of leads into the the, uh, the underlying message we've always had with the Security Breach podcast of it's not when, it's if, and you got to be ready and at least make the hacker's job as difficult as possible. Now we're going to hear from Tony Petricolo. In addition to serving as the president of Agile Blue, he also has the Northern Ohio chapter of InfraGuard, which works directly with the FBI on cybercrime. 
All right, so I guess kind of jumping right into it, one of the reasons we got together today was to talk about the recent Boeing attack and some of the things that we've learned from it. I guess just starting from the beginning, what do we know about this attack other than who kind of initiated it and a little bit of what they were going after? You know, it's interesting, and I'm sure like like me, you've been following this the last uh, last few days. I think they were looking for a lot more, but it's kind of hard to tell, right? Where they say 40 to 50 gigs, um you know from the from this parts group um but what's funny is you know like, like anything else boeing is like oh they didn't get much well they got emails and you know email uh backups um i mean everything flows through emails right so i understand they didn't pay the uh the ransom which you know like a lot of people are probably happy about that At the end of the day um you can't tell me there's not disruption and it's not costing boeing a bunch of money to go back the other thing I'd say is this: generally, when when Lockbit succeeds, they start succeeding longer tail. Meaning, maybe this is hit one, maybe there's a hit two. I hope yeah. not, but maybe there can be, and that's what might be a little bit scarier because Boeing came out and said, "No safety issues here." But last time I looked, there are parts on airplanes, right? So um, how's that? How's that not lead to anything safety wise? So we'll have to see how this thing progresses. So one of the things we do know, Tony, is who hit them. Lockbit has definitely claimed responsibility, and they've actually been leaking some information lately. What do you think this tells us about Lockbit? We know them in the industrial sector. They're a prominent player, very um, high figurehead, um, well-known, I guess you could say, um, for all their activity. What do you think this tells us about how they may be evolving and things that might be their targets down the line? You know, it's a great question. And, um, you know, I think a lot of folks um, are, are guessing at that. Now, here's something I'll say, and, and, and I think everyone has seen this. Obviously, since the Ukraine war, we've seen an increase, right? Now, since what's happening in Israel, we've seen an even bigger, a bigger increase. I think it's about 86% increase month over month. These cyber uh, events pay for kinetic wars, right? I think we all know that. And with two major things going on, unfortunately, you can argue how Lockbit is absolutely uh, state-sponsored. Uh, that money is going towards uh, kinetic wars. So I think, and what we see, what we're seeing, might not just be a ransomware play in and of itself. You can also see a disruption play. So think about this. I was just at an event three weeks ago, and one of the big things that that I think everyone's looking out for. It's disruption in the DOD supply chain. So again, it might not be that they make the most money on these ransomware, but if they're able to disrupt supplies, parts, time that could get to our allies, whether that be in Ukraine or Israel, or maybe folks supporting those um, those uh, those theaters, that in and of itself could be a, um, I guess, a home run for not just Lockbit, but the states that are sponsoring them. So in out and says you know hey nothing really just a little disruption crazy i don't look at that i look at that that could be some type of supply chain because boeing's obviously a defense provider uh that could be something longer tail that could have an effect on these kinetic wars no i think that's an interesting i kind of connected the same dots when i was wondering there this is a russian based russian backed ransomware group to see them go on after a military or a defense supplier the timing seemed a little too convenient to just be a target of opportunity like Lockbit has gone after so many other people. That's right. And I will say this too, um, without giving, you know, <laughs> disclosing no names or things like that, um, folks that we've seen in, in um, that we have associations with, 
like that are seeing up uh, uh, activity increase, number one, uh, which is good. We're seeing the activity, but at least we're understanding where it is, number one. Number two, folks that have that CMMC, um, that they're moving towards CMMC, maybe they're not there yet, right? That are defense uh, providers, and they could be providing a screw or something you know that's not a missile necessarily, but it does disrupt the supply chain. We're definitely seeing some increase in activity there. You know, this is interesting because this there are some parallels to like the move it attacks in that the the you know the folks clop that came out there they started putting out information to basically either try to it was kind of theorized that they were trying to get the ransom payment sooner. Is this a new tactic that we're maybe seeing from a lot of these ransomware groups? Because I think the victims are getting a little bit smarter. They don't want to pay the ransom. That's sort of the, the overwhelming train of thought. But the longer it plays out, obviously the ransomware groups are getting less patient. Is this a new tactic? Is this something sort of a new normal that we're going to have to start dealing with? You know, I think it can. We know when the FBI and the government came out and said, hey, don't pay, you know, just don't pay. Um, Now, works for maybe some of the big guys that have the backups, have the means. But look at, I know this is different, but look at Las Vegas. I mean, you're talking disruption for weeks and hundreds of millions of dollars. And Caesars did pay at 30 mil uh, as, as of what we know now. So so they didn't take that heed. Um, now, the mid suppliers to the DOD, um, look, I'm going to argue they have those policies, procedures, those, those, those proper ways to uh, stop that disruption. And if they're cranking through uh, getting these supplies moved out and you don't have any way to get your system back up and running, I understand the logic. But how do you not pay the ransom? So it's a it's a it's a dilemma. So you're you're right. I do think you're going to see maybe some of these ransomware groups uh, maybe take some of those those proactive approaches. I'll also say this: when you start following Bitcoin and really paying attention to what's happening uh, with the digital currencies, and when you look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin's now had a pretty nice run up this year, right? It got to that yeah. 15, 17, 18. It's back over 36, 37, or wherever it is. Now you're seeing more strength in that. Um, I think you can also use that as a determining factor that you're going to see more strength uh, in these ransomware in these ransomware attacks. Makes sense. I know it's really early because this hasn't been resolved yet, but do you think there might be some lessons learned that'll come out of this attack that's going to apply not just throughout the military aerospace sort of sector, but throughout manufacturing potentially? You know, I do. And I think that lesson learned is this. Number one, there are no exceptions. I don't care big, small, medium. You're in the crosshairs because any money they can make is going to be good. Any disruption they can make is even better. And, you know, well, I've been studying cyber a long time. I'm sure you have it to hear your take. When the media talks about Lockbit or Move It or whatever the attack might be, that's a good thing for the bad government. Uh, it's not like they want to keep it, you know, hush, hush. They want us to know that we're that we're there and they're moving and they're, uh, you know, morphing into something bigger. But I will say this. Um, I do think that the suppliers are going to see a big run up and the big guys just have the resources to make this a smaller event. I, can, I have a definitive case study where someone said we won't be hit. Unfortunately, something happened. And then the person had the, uh, the, the guts to say, well, we got hit once. There's no way we're going to get hit again. That right there could be the kiss of death. Again, with people like Lockbit, when something succeeds, it probably succeeds again about 30 days later. Yeah, we see so many of those dwelling attacks, especially in the industrial sector, where folks think they either pay the ransom or they think they've kicked it out, recovered the data, 
two, three, four, four, six months later, they're right back to square one. So that definitely is something to, to keep an eye on with Lockbit in general, but even here in Boeing. And we're seeing more attacks actually targeting the aviation sector a little bit. We saw some stuff with American Airlines. We've also seen some things in the supply chain. Does this just go back to, again, the fact that this feeds into a lot of different areas, or is this a particular sector of interest to, to hacker groups? Well, I'm, I'm going to old uh, idiom we, we saw during Watergate, uh, follow the money, right? You always follow the money. Okay. So obviously you attack the casinos. Why? Vegas has a lot going on right now. Yeah. You got F1 race, you got a lot going on, right? So they can't be down, number one. So what are you going to do? They're going to pay. Number two, when you look where you are with wars, aerospace, uh, the contractors, there's a lot of money because it's also a political thing. Do you pay? Do you not pay? But that disruption is extremely painful. So, you know, financial, healthcare, always in the crosshairs. People see it every day of the week. This little switch, though, over to some of the bigger paying industries, especially the ones that are of high consequence. Um, I, I think you're absolutely going to see it because I think they see one thing and that's two. Well, I think that's two things. It's money. But that disruption is so much more uh, in, in, uh, important to them. That's what scares me. Yeah. The damage that can do to from a reputational perspective, from a financial perspective, all of those things definitely come into play. Thanks for joining us today. To catch up on past episodes, you can go to manufacturing.net, IN.com, or MBTMag.com. You can also check Security Breach out wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Amazon, and Overcast. And if you have a cybersecurity story or topic that you'd like to have us explore in Security Breach, you can reach me at Jeff at IN.com. For Eric Cron and Tony Petricola, I'm Jeff Ranke, and this is Security Breach.